Tyrell Ventura here with Governor Jesse Ventura. So here we are, Dad. Tie first, then quit. Uh, It'll take you a while to get used to that tie. You never had to stare up at it every day like I did for about uh, 20 some weeks every day. Back in the, <laughs> in the Navy SEAL days, yes, and training, no, that, right? Yeah, well, what it was, it's a slogan that they, that die first and then quit is a slogan that uh, during BUDS training, basic underwater demolition SEAL training, that uh, uh, that's basically what you have to live by. And, and certainly at some point in the training, it, comes, it becomes a reality. Because, and what I mean by that is that you're going to get to some type of obstacle in training where you're going to have to say to yourself, well, you know, I got to do this even if it kills me. You know, I, I think everybody's kind of in, in all life goes through that at some point of something they do where they think in their mind, well, you know, I, I got to succeed. And if I don't, well, I'm going to try till it kills me. And uh, that's what happens in, in BUDS training on multiple times, really. And so that's where the slogan came from is, die first, then quit, meaning never utter the words, I quit. Let, let the evolution kill you first mm -hmm. before you quit. And, and, and so for me, the transition to Substack here and what I mean now is die first, then quit is for me personally, that I'm going to keep talking till I die. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to be critical. I'm going to speak my mind. That's who I am. And I always have been pretty well. And uh, the only thing that's going to silence me is when I die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 kind of, I kind of assume that. <laughs> well, no, and that's why I thought the title was appropriate. Years. Plus, this is, I'm 70 years old now, mm -hmm. going on 71 shortly. And, uh, you know, you got to face reality that this likely could be my last hurrah, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know. You know, I've gone through my entire life using the old Yogi Berra stuff. Uh, come to a Y in the road, take it. Take it. Yeah. And uh, don't stop and succeed until you come to the next Y in the road. Mm -hmm. And don't look back and think what you should have did at that Y. You know, once you've made the decision and moved on, then move on. And uh, that's, that's kind of the way I've lived life. And that's what's brought me now to Substack. And uh, this could be the last hurrah. I don't know. You know, you never know. But uh, I do like the fact of, of if it is my last, it'll be the most freedom I've ever had. That is the great thing about Substack, being that it's subscription-based. Whether you're, you know, for the whether you're subscribing to the free content or the the paid-for content, you're only getting what me and Jesse, what what you and I right. want to put out there. There's no one else there. Well, you know, just in review a little bit. Okay, when I when I became a how would you say it, announcer or that type happened in the latter part of my wrestling career, other than the interviews right. that you did throughout your wrestling career. I got on the mic at the end of my wrestling career. Well, <clears throat> I didn't have total freedom. I had as much freedom as they'd allow, and I'd push the envelope always, but uh, I always had Vince McMahon hovering over me. I had Dick Ebersol from NBC hovering about, and you got the basic rules. Even beyond, you know, singling out those two men who gave me great leeway. I, you know, they gave me all they could. 
you know, but you've still got government rules and government broadcast. You know, and, and then moving forward sure. in the career, you know, the last time you had, you know, handlers, so to speak, or producers or whatever, you know, you get to like what we were trying to do with MSNBC. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you know, and obviously as governor too, you know, there's certain things that you 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 can say and that you can't say. Well, and, and, no, and, uh, no. Well, as governor, you can say anything, but be prepared to be crucified <laughs> for it. <laughs> you know, yeah. what you're doing as governor, Ty, yeah. is is much self-preservation. Oh, true. You know, true. you've got to protect yourself because the media, as I call them, jackals, and uh, uh, they're out to get you. Yeah. You know, and they're out to do, exploit anything that's going to make them money. And if you say provocative things, which I had a tendency to do so because I speak my mind, well, then you're going to get a lot of press. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, uh, but I can honestly say everything I said I believed in. Mm hmm and I uh, always will, and uh, if how, they, how one takes it is their opinion, mm -hmm. you know, generally. But, uh, you know, what this is, you know, through my whole life, though, I've had some type of censorship, you know, yep. moving forward. You know, MSNBC basically fired me because I opposed the invasion of Iraq. Right. Now, uh, Russian television disintegrated, and so I lose my second job, and I oppose the invasion of, of uh, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I can view that as I'm very much opposed to war, and I feel actually lucky. Mm -hmm. Because most people who have a pedestal like I do, who oppose something like war, have ended up giving their lives. You go down the list, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, Dr. Martin Luther King, John Lennon. Go right down the list of everybody that stood for peace and they end up being killed. Well, they only tried to kill my reputation. They didn't kill me personally. And now Substack is rein I've been reinvented now because we're Substack like it is, now they can't kill me. Yeah, yeah, they can. Now then, they can't kill me. No. You know, my reputation or anything like that because what I do on Substack, I'll take ownership of it. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and, and it gives me a place where those that want to listen to me are welcome. The exchange of ideas. I think one of the things that I always remember about myself, and it was a, a very close person to me when I was governor, said this to me. He said, Governor, when a situation happens, he said, you have a unique ability of looking at it in a direction that no one else does. And, you, and when you do that, it sheds light on whatever it was occurred, and it makes people open their minds and think more because you offer always a second alternative to what they're first seeing. Because well, I just see things sometimes, and he said, that's a thing you've been gifted with. That's what this guy said to me. And he said, that's a thing that makes you a great governor, is that you're able to look at a situation and 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 I can't say that I do it with any aforementioned, okay, I'm gonna break this down now and see if I can find a third option, you know, than the two we have. I don't know, Ty, it just comes to me. I look at something and when I see it, things go into my head that apparently don't always go into everybody else's head. Well, it's interesting because I think I remember it was, uh, I 
I remember correctly, it was John Woodley who also it, it was asked, you know, about you and working with you. And and I think I think it was John Woodley who your former communications director, sure. the governor. I think he. Well, he's the one that said that. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Because he he had said I think publicly he said the one of the great gifts of of working with you as governor was that you're able to take very from the outside complex, you know, government, let's say laws or objectives or whatever they're doing, and you're able to take the complexity and kind of simplify drill it, it down and simplify it for the average person to understand. And I think that's been one of also your great gifts as a public speaker well, and someone who follows government and speaks out, you know, I Let have it, to yeah. do that so I can understand it. <laughs> Very it's, true. It's it's a simple it's a simple equation. <laughs> you know. In order for me to understand it, I need to simplify it. And generally, you can find out the more complicated it's made to look. Uh, if you look at it and simplify it, it doesn't always end up as complicated as people initially will look at something when it can be simplified. And 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 for me. Uh, I'll bring up the word that is one of my pet peeves of that I love to s simplify on is hypocrisy. Mm. And I think that's one of the things is my strong point is I'm able to view things and right away see the hypocrisy, especially when it comes to the political parties and the people in them, you know, and, and what they stand for and all this. Uh, like recently the the, the gun, the, the shooting in Texas, and all of these hardcore guns rights advocates who then give, get up and it's the same song and dance with their sympathy. They deflect it to something else. The, gu the gun's just a tool. So in other words, do they now want me to believe that this shooter that went into that little school had he not had access to that weapon, that he'd have gone in there with maybe a flamethrower, or would he have gone in there with uh, roadside explosives? Uh, what would have been his determining factor to cause the same type of damage if the automatic weapon or the semi-automatic weapon was not available to that person? Mm -hmm. Well, if you take away one option, that means a person has to find a section, second option to do whatever it is they want to accomplish. And if you're out to stop someone from accomplishing something, the more options you can take off the table, the better chance you have. Now, is anything going to totally work? Of course not. We're all realists. We understand if someone is bound and determined to do something that heinous, it's very difficult to stop, but uh, you know, it just—I just find it hypocrisy when these hardcore gun advocates now will sit with their and try to have bleeding hearts for what occurred. You know, it's it's interesting when you mention the hypocrisy around that issue because I also look at it and, and say. And you never hear this from either party when it comes to the, you know, usually you always hear like, you know, everybody gives off their sympathies and prayers. The Republicans dig in their heels and say, oh, well, we can't restrict the Second Amendment and all that. It's mental the, illness. Yeah, mental illness. You know, the Democrats are full on about, you know, going after the Second Amendment or going after assault weapons or whatever that. 
But it's funny they never mention the fact that the United States is the biggest arms purveyor in the world. The government, the U.S. government, sells arms around the world. We just gave a bunch of arms to Ukraine. Now, whether or not that was the right or wrong choice, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm more talking about we always ignore that aspect. Yeah. Well, I haven't. Yeah, we haven't. You've heard me talk about it and say we're the biggest, you know, provocateurs of war in the world. Right. Why? Because we're the dealer. Mm -hmm. We're the one that pumps out the armaments that have people kill each other and fight wars with, Mm -hmm. you know. And we can get into all of that, and you know. But it's just interesting because to me, I look at it and go like. But it does. It is hypocrisy. It is. It's hypocrisy, and and uh, to and and you have to look at it now. The realism of mass shootings like this are not happening in other countries. No, no. Not to the extent. Now they may happen with a terrorist attack, Mm -hmm. where it's terrorists with an objective who go in to accomplish some type of terroristic mission mm-hmm. that they feel need to. But to arbitrarily, do you see arbitrarily people walking into grade schools and massacring children? I think we're pretty, got the market cornered. And when you then have to look at, okay, what is different about the United States than all of these other countries that could possibly bring this about. And that's where one of the main things you have to look to is guns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't deny it anymore. And I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment, but you know my position has changed now. Mm -hmm. You ain't telling me that our forefathers had this in mind. No. When they guaranteed us the right to bear arms. No. And my position now is own all the guns you want on your own private property. But in order to leave your private property and have a gun, you now must be duly, properly registered and licensed mm-hmm. with, a, with a license to carry that weapon to show you are qualified to carry it and to have a purpose why you are carrying it. And, that's and all- that purpose may be for your own protection, yeah. but at least you will be a person who has been vented yeah. thoroughly. Yeah. And therefore, you can be an asset out there. Well, and and that's the thing, I think, (laughs) when you're talking about this, because I think that's brilliant, because regulation and things of that nature to where then that way, you're hopefully then weeding out, you know. Well, again, it it comes down to, again, my position in public, no one should be allowed to carry a a, a weapon Mm -hmm. and and especially have ammunition with it Mm. and be locked and loaded. Mm or in the words of Donald Trump, cocked and loaded. <laughs> I remember when Donald Rambo Trump was uh, trying to use the terminology to show us what a Rambo character he was, and he said, yes, they were cocked and loaded. And I had to go, gee, Donald, uh, in SEAL Team, we used to call it locked and loaded. I, I think I heard Tom Berenger say that in the movie Platoon when he turned to the Army guys, and. They were heading off on patrol, I believe he said lock and load. He didn't say cock and load, Don. He said lock and load. There's a slight difference. <laughs> well, it just it just shows the the wannabe tough guy aspect of Donald. He can't even get the terminology right. Exactly. Because he never lived it. Exactly. If he'd have lived it, he'd know it. Right. But uh, he wants to pretend for all of his followers that he's right privy to all that cocked and loaded. You know, it's interesting, you mentioned something too, is that you've changed your viewpoints on the Second Amendment yep. because of all of this. 
How important do you think that is? The ability for political leaders or activists or anybody who has that public opinion or a forum to give a public opinion, how important is it that somebody changes their opinion? I think it's important only under the fact of changing your opinion is if the times change and you have to change with those times. I said, then you can reconsider an opinion. You know, not necessarily change your opinion, mm -hmm. but I think the main thing I did uh, in all, when I was governor and changed an opinion, generally my first opinion was an opinion based on ignorance, for lack of better term, or not well knowledge of whatever the particular subject might have been. And as I became more knowledgeable and got better understanding of whatever that particular subject was and learned about it more, that opened my mind up to, yes, you can change an opinion, but please change it because of educating yourself. Don't change it because everybody is, or don't change it to stay with the times or do this or that. Change it because you've educated your own personal viewpoint and educated yourself to where you understand the subject better. And I'll give you the case in point was the, the one that I did. It was the 24-hour the women must wait to get uh, an, abortion. an abortion. Well, when I was running, I just looked at it as, wow, they wait 24 hours, big deal, what's that? And I'm on to the next up. Sure, that's fine. Because I didn't delve into truly how much it was insulting and how much it made it seem like and as we happily renamed it later the women are stupid bill is what my staff and i later referred to it as because as as naive as that sounds 20 wait 24 hours do you think for one moment when i got educated on it and learned from women themselves that they don't just walk in there having not thought about it and 24 hours is not going to make or break they've already walked in that door and they have totally aggravated over the decision they were going to make second of all all right i off they then accused me of flip-flopping because now i wasn't supporting the 24-hour wait when i saw that it was not it wasn't relative, relative to begin with. So I'm now accused of flip-flopping. So I offered a compromise to the Republicans. I said, well, I'll sign it, but let's make all elective surgery require a 24-hour wait. So if you're going to get a vasectomy, a man has to be educated for 24 hours before he makes that final decision. If you're going to get liposuction to get the fat sucked out of your body, well, you better educate yourself for 24 hours before you make that decision. Or cataract, you know, eye surgery. Any elective surgery is the way I put it. Let's put a 24-hour wait on it. Well, you know what happened? Mm. The Republicans were outraged. We can't interfere in health care like that. That's not our job. Really? So see how they selectively choose what, what is or isn't, you know, according to what, they, what it is. Yeah. I was willing to go along if they made all elective surgery required a 24-hour waiting period and an educational pamphlet. 
of what they were going to do. It seems harmless to me, mm-hmm. you know, That'll but see. all of a sudden the shoe was on a different foot and we can't have government interfering in health care like that. It's, really? <laughs> I mean, I think it sounds like total hypocrisy because it, it, to me, it's once again kind of Republicans and that ilk going directly after trying to control in, a, in the abortion thing, going to try to control women's bodies and their right to choose. And, you know, like you said, if you put the shoe on the other foot and say, OK, all other elective surgery should also have to wait 24, 24 hours. Well, that makes it fair. So you're yeah. not selecting, you know, you're not pinpointing. And somebody and might cha- will need that to change their mind. Right. Plus, like you said, and like you learned, you can't get an abortion within 24 hours. It's not like McDonald's where you can like drive up and say, hey, I'll have the quarter pounder with the side of an abortion. Yeah, or a happy meal. <laughs> or a happy meal. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it doesn't happen like that at all. So all it was was cannon fodder, mm-hmm. you, know, where, you know, that they were throwing out there. And, you know, you got to call it for what it is. It's, it's comedy. Because is, that hi- is that hypocrisy? Oh, it's total hypocrisy. Okay, well, I'm asking you. Yeah. See, that's what you're going to get here. Yeah. And that's what you who listens to me will have to make that determination. Is that hypocrisy or what? 